Good morning and welcome to Connect Church. It is so good to see you all here this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us here this morning, we're actually in week two of a, a brand new series we've kicked off this year, 2014, called Making Room for Life. And uh, just talking about how busy uh, our lives can be and how really if we don't make something's priorities, they're just not going to get done. So last week we talked about uh, making room for God. And we decided that we were going to um, intentionally make room for God in our lives. So uh, that comes about in two ways. The first way is to uh, make that effort to be at church on a Sunday morning. And uh, you're here this morning. So well done. Every one of you out here this morning, you, uh, you made room this morning for God by being here on a Sunday morning. But, you know, we also talked about the fact that it's not just a Sunday morning celebration time. We can make room for God in our lives on a daily basis just by taking some time out to maybe read the Bible or pray or journal or just spend time um, alone with God. And um, so we started last week this Bible reading plan, and uh, it was so exciting to know that as I was reading those verses each week from uh, the Gospels, that's the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about the life of Jesus, that each day as I was reading those those chapters, that many of you were reading along with me too, and reading the same chapters. And I've got to tell you, it was, it was kind of a little bit funny on Monday morning because uh, we kicked off that plan with Matthew chapter 1 and I just had to wonder if some of you, this is the first time you've really intentionally set some time aside to read the Bible and you thought, man, I'm going to really read the Bible here and kind of get to know a little bit more about Jesus. And as I sat down to read Matthew chapter 1, the first 40 odd verses are the genealogy of Jesus. It's this father was the, the father of this son and this son was the son of this father and, and on it went and I just was imagining all of you who uh, maybe you don't read the Bible on a regular basis and you thought I'm going to dive in and you're like oh man this is exactly why I don't read the Bible it's so hard to understand all these different names so but uh, well done if you persevered on through because it did get uh, a lot more in depth after that we learned about Jesus's birth and this week we read about his baptism about him being tempted in the wilderness and some of the first miracles he's performed the disciples he chose so I'm just really excited that some of you are on that journey with me and in taking time every day to read the Bible together. So this week we're on week two and you can see these jars here on the stage they're full of large stones and small stones and the idea behind this analogy here is that um, this is kind of this jar it represents our life so our life is is full of um, things that we have to do each week. And some of them, they're like the small stones in this jar. That's the, the responding to emails, you know, rushing the kids to and from school or some kind of sports practice, maybe preparing meals, shopping, you know, whatever your just day in, day out responsibilities are. And those are like small stones and really they just fill our jars pretty quickly. Now the large stones, they represent the things that are of importance in our lives. So last week we decided that God, he was represented by a large stone and it may be family, it may be a lot of other things which we'll look at over the next few weeks. But what we learned last week when we did this um, demonstration, and you just saw it in the video, is that if you put the small stones in first and then you try and fit the larger stones in, they just don't fit. The jar just isn't big enough. But if you put the large stones in first, you can pour the same amount of small stones in and they'll fit. And the idea is that if we prioritize things and if we say, I'm going to make time this week for this, this because it's important to me, this large rock, then we'll find that all the other stuff will take care of itself. All the other stuff will get done. 
But if we do that stuff first and we don't set a priority for those large rocks in our life, then we'll find ourselves at the end of the week trying to jam them in and they're just not going to fit. So in this series, we're looking at stories from the life of someone who consistently got all the rocks in the jar because he was really good at putting the big rocks in first. I think you probably know who I'm talking about. It's Jesus. You see, Jesus, he's the one who said that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the they that they're talking about here, that, that they he's talking about, that's you and me. You see, Jesus didn't just teach on how to live a rich, full life. He showed us. So in this series, we're not talking as much about what Jesus said as what he did. How he lived a life where the big rocks consistently went in the jar first. And the big rock that Jesus consistently put in the jar of his life that we're talking about today is people. Now, I'm not just talking about people in general, you know, and, and friends, neighbors, business colleagues, that kind of thing. Although that is important to, to make them important in our lives. In fact, Jesus said we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I'm talking about not just people in general, but the ones in our life that we have to be intentional with, the relationships that we find ourselves in. So before we jump into Jesus' example here and, and really step deeper into this whole idea of what it means to have people as a large rock in our life, let's just remind ourselves of how high the stakes really are when it comes to making room for people. There's a book, you know, it's called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And it's a, it's a fascinating book, and uh, it just talks about how different everyone is. And, and isn't that true, you know, that um, people, you know, they appear normal, but and once you get to know them, we're all different. You know, I, I, it reminds me, I heard a, uh, someone say that in every church, there's normally one, one person, at least, who's just a little bit, a little bit weird, a little bit odd. And um, maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been at Connect for a while here, and I've not met anyone like that. Well, I've got bad news for you. That means it's, it's probably you. So, sorry about that. But um, this book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. It talks in the book about some research from Harvard University Medical School. And that research says that the two most powerful, meaningful experiences in life are achieving and connecting. Most of what grabs our attention and commands our energy is either achieving or connecting. Achieving has to do with our accomplishments, you know, like winning contests, pursuing career success, financial milestones, reaching our goals. And connecting has, of course, to do with our relational world, the people that we are close to, the people we love. And, you know, according to this lead researcher, our society is becoming more and more devoted to, in fact, more obsessed with, even enslaved by achieving so while at the same time they're, they're fighting harder to achieve, they're becoming increasingly bankrupt when it comes to connecting. And why is this? Well, I actually happen to blame reality TV. Check this out. I didn't come here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I ain't here to make no friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. You know, I'm not here to make friends. You guys are not my friends. I'm not here to make friends with you. I didn't come all the way from D.C. to make new friends. I'm not here for them, and I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends with you guys. I could care less. I'm not here to make friends. Okay, and that's you. And that means you're fearful of things. 
wasn't here to make friends, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're not here to make friends. Are you here to make friends? Because I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not saying that. I didn't come here to make friends with 24-year-olds. I didn't come here to make friends. We're not looking to make new friends. And I don't care if I make friends. That's not my main goal for being here, is not to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I don't want to be a cliche, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make friends. Can you believe that? Now, I hope that's not your plan here at Connect. I hope you're not here this morning saying, I'm not here to make friends. Just want to come to church, just want to leave. I hope you're here to make friends because we're a friendly church. We want you to make friends. But listen, achieving isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the research shows that it's no substitute for connecting. Many people who excel at achieving actually end up not excelling at connecting. And many people who live with lots of achieving but not enough connecting, they end up being pretty unhappy people. You see, like the old saying goes, and and I'm sure you've heard this, you'll never find anyone on their deathbed who looks back on their life and just wishes they'd spent more time at the office. No, you'll you'll find people who, who make room in life for connecting and relational bonds, even if they're not great at achieving and accomplishing things, they still report life as being fulfilling. See, if I make room in my life for achieving without making room for connecting, I'll not find happiness. But if I make room for connecting, even if I never achieve much, I've still got a great shot at a happy, fulfilling life. You see, when it comes to making room for people, the stakes, I I really feel the stakes are high. And Jesus, he not only knew that, he taught that. In fact, he lived that. And this morning we're going to look at a great example of that. In John chapter 13, and if you're following along on the plan, you'll read this again later this week, which is great. John tells uh, the account of Jesus, and it's a very familiar story. Many of you this morning may well be uh, familiar with this story. It's Jesus with his disciples, and listen to what he says. He says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I don't need to miss the gravity of the setting of this story. Because you need to understand that even though this is an amazing account of of, um, someone who, if there was anyone in that room that day who deserved to have his feet washed, it was Jesus, the Son of God. And yet in this particular story, we discover that instead of them washing his feet, he chooses to wash theirs. But here's the magnitude of that story. This is the night before Jesus is going to die. And he knows it. He knows he's got less than 24 hours to live. And look what he's doing with his time. He's with his closest friends, the disciples. He's washing their feet. You know, foot washing was a menial task in those days. And here's Jesus, their leader, serving his followers. He's washing their feet. And I always thought the point of this story was the importance of humbly serving other people. And I think it is, but I just don't think that's all that we can learn from this. There's still this whole thing of the fact that what he's doing with his time when he's got less than 24 hours to live. 
See, the more I think about what happens here, the more I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't just training the disciples on how to serve one another after he was gone. Do you remember the beginning? Uh, it says that he loved them to the end. Do you know, it doesn't say he taught them to the end. It says he loved them to the end. See, even when he had very little time left, he was still making time for them. Investing in them, pouring into them. To the very end, he made room in his life for the people that he was on mission with. Because you see, this was a big, big rock for Jesus. And in this story, he's not telling us how to live, he's showing us. He's showing us what goes into the jar, no matter what else is going on. He's showing us that time with people that he was on mission with was one of the big rocks that he made room for in his jar, no matter what. So, how does that apply to us here this morning? Well, I want to challenge you because when we talk about making room for people today, we're not just talking about people in general, though people in general are very important. We actually believe that everybody matters to God. And also this morning, we're not just talking today about family and friends, although family and friends are obviously incredibly important too. I would challenge every one of us to look at our schedules each week and say, you know, time with my family, time with my friends, that needs to be a big rock. I need to make an appointment this week. I need to clear room on my schedule this week so that I can spend some quality time with my family. But this morning, I'm talking about people in a different context. I'm talking about making room for people that we are on mission with as Christ followers. You know, many of you here this morning, I know you've, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And that's fantastic. And, and you're sharing that journey here now this morning with, with many others. And some of you here this morning, maybe you've not made that decision. Maybe you're here and you're, you're visiting, you're checking us out. And that's great. We love having you here. And I would challenge you, just ask Jesus to, to guide you on this journey. I really believe he has a plan for every one of your lives. I believe he wants to be in a relationship with you. I, want, I believe he wants to see you um, surrender your life. Say, God, I need you in my life. And you too could make that decision to, to become a Christ follower yourself, to follow Jesus, to allow him to be the Lord of your life. But for those of you this morning who have made that decision... We're talking here about making room for people in our lives who are on that same journey with us. Which is why we've determined here at Connect Church that, that small groups will always be a key element of the church. We've said that from the beginning. Now, we haven't launched small groups yet and we plan on launching them now next month. And that's really what I want to lead into from this talk this morning. And I want to just share with you what small groups are. Small groups are an opportunity to gather together in, in people's homes and maybe four, five, six different couples or six friends or um, maybe ladies you're meeting together. But whatever the, the context of the group, meeting together just to share what God's doing in your life. Maybe you'll read through a book together. Maybe you'll study a Bible passage together. Maybe you'll pray together. But for whatever reason, gathering together in small groups is something that we've determined that is a very key element of Connect Church. In fact, we don't see it as an added option or a class that you can take for extra credit or something for people who are into that sort of thing. No, our goal here at Connect is to make this a fundamental part of the church. 
We actually believe that if you come to celebration services and then go home, you're actually missing out on one of the main ways that God wants to grow you and bless you and encourage you. You see, we feel that being um, a Christ follower, it's a team sport. It's meant to be done in community. We think that's a big rock. You just have to look at the very first Christ followers and you'll see it. Back when Jesus had died and and risen again and the apostles, his disciples, they were left behind to start the church. We read in Acts chapter 2 the story of the very birth of the church and what it looked like at the very beginning. Listen to what it says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Did you see it there? They gathered for teaching in large groups just like this. And they got together in smaller groups too. They were devoted to not just being taught from the Bible. They were devoted to each other as a community. They met and they worshipped together in public. And they got together and ate together in each other's homes. That's the biblical pattern of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And our goal from the very first day that we started as a church was to be a church like that first church. We never wanted to be a church where people just come and celebrate God on a Sunday and then learn from the Bible on the weekend and then go back home again until next week. You know, I'd actually even go as far as this to say this morning that you can't grow spiritually unless you're connected relationally. You see, we believe the Bible teaches that connecting with people as part of a small group is a big rock. Now, listen, I know that some of you are new here at Connect. And, um, well, I mean, actually, let's be honest here. um, Everyone here is new at Connect. I'm new at Connect. We've only been going for a few months. We're just a few months old. So, but maybe you've been coming here for a few weeks now and you're like, I like this church. I I kind of enjoy coming to this church. It's, It's a good place. And, um, you know, they've got good donuts. I, I love the donuts, you know, and the kids, they enjoy their, their service. I enjoy coming along and listening to the music. That, that one guy, Justin, he's a good guitar player. I love listening to his stories that he tells about his family. Even that kind of funny English guy at the front, you know, he's, he's pretty good. I like him. And uh, now you're telling me there's more? Now you're telling me I've got to do more than just come on a Sunday? Now, wait a minute. This sounds like a bit of a bait and switch to me. Next, um, you'll be telling me that you want my money. Well, relax, relax. I won't be telling you I want your money this week. No, here's what I've got to say. Listen, here's what I, I believe I'm supposed to say. I believe people matter. I believe being a part of a small group is a big rock, is a priority. And listen, I love that you're coming on Sundays. And to be honest, given the choice of not coming on a Sunday and coming on a Sunday, I really believe that coming on a Sunday is a great thing. And I do think you'll learn about what the Bible teaches. And it'll be a great start to your week. And coming to church on a Sunday is great. But I do think that if that's all you're doing just once a week, then you're, you're just scratching the surface. You see, I really think that God wants to take many of you deeper in your relationship with him. And sometimes just coming once a week, just coming on a Sunday, we can't, we can't really grow and experience growth in the way that we could outside of a Sunday, in a, maybe in a discussion or in a small group environment with other people on the same journey as us. 
You see, here at Connect, we really believe that growth happens better in circles than in rows. Growth happens better in circles than in rows. And here's what I mean by that. This morning, you're all sat in rows, and I'm talking, and you're listening, and, you know, that's great. You'll probably learn some things this morning about the Bible, and then you'll leave. But there's no interaction going on. You're all in rows. I'm speaking, you're listening. Well, in a small group environment, we're sat in a circle. There are others in the room, and we're looking eye to eye, and we're, we may be talking about something and uh, sharing something from the Bible, and, and someone could speak up and say, well, I just, I've never really understood that. And then someone else in the circle would say, well, here's how, here's how I've understood that, and here's how that's affected my life. And then another in the circle says, that's great, you know, and this interaction is going on between one another in this circle. And growth happens in an environment like that. I really think for some of you who are looking to go to that next stage in your development, that next stage of saying, I want to be a, a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better employee, and I know that Jesus can help me in that goal, then this is a way that you can grow. And maybe you're here this morning, you're thinking, man, I'd like to, but I just don't have time. I'm busy, busy, dreadfully busy. You've no idea what I have to do. Well, I get that. I know we're all busy people. We have friends and family and demanding jobs and kids' practices and games to go to and chores to get done and shopping and meetings all over the place. And yet, do you know what I've discovered? In all my years of being in, in different churches is that I've met a lot of people who are just as busy as that. And yet, somehow, they've been able to make room for being in a small group. And what I've discovered over the years of being a, a Christ follower and, and part of all these churches is that being in a small group isn't about who's busy and who's not. No. What I'm learning is that the people who are in the small groups, they don't have more time than other people. They've just decided to make this a big rock. It's the big rock of connecting with other Christ followers. And they said that rock is going to go in my jar first. Because I've discovered the importance of having those kind of relationships in my life. So here's where I'm going with this. I believe being part of a small group might actually be the opportunity of a lifetime. Over the years, I've, I've really, I've seen people find new hope, purpose, direction for their lives because of relationships that were formed in small groups. I've seen marriages that have been helped. Casey and I, we've been married for, uh, what is it? For almost 16 years yeah that's right and I can remember when we were first married we were in a small group together in fact it was actually a small group led by Justin and Kelly Justin the guy who, who was leading the songs this morning and we were all young couples together in this small group and it was great because you know we were just starting out on marriage and we were trying to figure things out and um, I'm sure all of you this morning you've got perfect marriages and have never had to deal with any conflicts but I can remember there were times where Casey and I were being in a situation I'd say Case I think that I'm right about this. She said, Dave, I, I think I'm right about this. And it was just the two of us. We hit a stalemate. But we had this small group of other young couples who we loved and trusted and who we, uh, we were willing to be vulnerable in front of. And, you know, we'd come into a situation like that and I'd say, guys, here's the situation. Da, 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 da. And I think I'm right. In case would say, I think I'm right. And inevitably, the guys and the girls in the small group would say, you know what, Dave? Casey's right. You're wrong. You've got to give in on that or you've got to stop doing that. And that happened quite a lot. But, you know, 
I can remember in that small group that as we got to know each other more, there was one couple in particular, and, and on the outside, they just seemed to be doing great, just having a great marriage and, you know, doing fine. But as we kind of dug a little bit deeper, it turns out that this was just a, a really a bit of a facade, and actually their marriage was in a lot of trouble. They were really struggling with a lot of different things, and we were able to talk with them and pray with them, and and at times say, listen, bud, you, you can't do that, and we'd say to her, listen, you, you've got to give him more space, or you can't, and, and just by loving them and counseling them and helping them, we saw that relationship become strong again. And that can only happen in, in a small group situation like that. We've also been a part over the years, Case and I have been in small groups where we've seen, um, you know, God's mission accomplished through these groups of people getting together. We've seen people helping one another. It's been a great place just to develop relationships. I remember even once Justin, um, this was another small group that he was a part of, telling me the story of how a guy in his small group, his, his father was dealing with depression and battling some different things. And as a group, they've been praying a lot for him. And one morning, early morning, Justin gets the phone call from this young man. And he says, hey, you need to pray for me because we just found out this morning that my father committed suicide. And as a small group, they were broken because they'd all been praying for this guy. And... And they all started texting and calling this couple saying, we are so sorry for your loss, we're praying for you. And then the funeral came and as a small group they all got involved. They helped with food and flowers and, and different kinds of things. And you know, this, this young couple, none of their family went to church. None of them were Christ followers. And after the funeral they were eating the food saying, where's this food come from? And this couple were able to say, you know what, it's a small group that we're a part of. During our time of um, sadness here, they've got around us and they've prayed for us and they, they bought this food and they've helped us out. And that had a huge impact on that guy's family and that community. You know, it could just be that it's a place where you come and, and make some new friends and just relationships grow and just helps you get through your life. But even though, you know, we call them small groups, there is absolutely nothing small about their impact. They are little, life-changing communities with big impact. Do you know that Jesus said, uh, you can read it in Matthew 18:20, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I with them. He's saying that there's an experience of his presence that I can't have on my own. And Jesus' own small group, the ones that he made time for the night before he died, they were people who went on to turn the world upside down he invested in those people he made time for those people it was a priority it was a big rock for jesus to be with these 12 disciples and the impact that that had on them changed the world i think we're here today in the church because of the impact that jesus had on his small group because they started the church and listen, let's remember this morning that this series is not called Having Room for Life. It's called Making Room for Life. Because the reality is here this morning that we don't have room. None of us have room. It's not like any of you have come to this series and thought, oh great, Dave's talking about big rocks because I had so much extra time in my week and I was just dying to know what to put into it. No, none of us have that. We're all busy. We've all got swamps. We have no extra time. We don't have room. This series is called Making Room for Life. We need to make room. Some of us need to make the decision 
to join a small group because God's word is teaching that that is a big rock. So I want to challenge you here this morning as we close out. Would you pray about this? Would you, you know, hear me again? This, you are welcome to come to Connect Church every single Sunday. And we love having you here. And we pray that you will grow closer to God each Sunday that you come. But I want to challenge you that for some, getting alongside others that are on the same journey as you. Meeting like this in a small group and discussing what God's doing in your life and in your family. And reading the Bible together and praying together. That can help your relationship with Him grow. So as we go into February and we start these new small groups, I want to challenge you to say, you know, I'm going to make room for that in my life. I'm going to make being a part of a small group, being intentional in my relationships with others, I'm going to make that a big rock. So here's how this is going to work. Practically, here is how uh, we're going to move forward. So as I said, in February, we're going to launch out with these new small groups. So this morning, at the table at the back of the gym here as you're leaving, we set out some sign-up sheets. And if you're interested in being a part of a small group, you can stop by there, you can put your name, you can put your address, your email address, your phone number. You know, there's even a couple of boxes there that say, you know, I'm interested in leading a group. Maybe you've come from another church and you've led a small group before and you'd like to lead a small group, then check that box. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, there's absolutely no way I would lead a small group. But, you know, my home would be a great place to meet. So um, if there's a leader out there that wants to lead, I'd be happy to um, allow my home to be a host home. And, and you can check that box. Or you can just check them. Or you can just write your name and say, listen, Dave, I'm, I'm interested in being a part of a small group. Please tell me uh, how this works and write your details down and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. Some of you may need to go home and talk to your spouse about this. This is a big decision. So uh, we've got our website set up. It's connectwashington.org. You can go on there. There's a tab there that says groups. You can click on that and submit your info online. And either way, we'll get back to you. And our goal is here that in February, we will launch these small groups. This will become a big rock for many of you in your lives. And I believe in 2014, because you've made it a priority, you will see your life change as a result of doing life with one another. Can we pray? Father, like I said, it's not having room for life, it's making room for life. None of us have any extra room. So God, I pray that as we look across this series and these different areas that we will be challenged to respond as to, can I make more room in my life for this? Lord, we've made room for you last week. We talked about making room for God. God, I pray that there'll be many here this morning who say, I need to make room for people. I need to make room in my schedule. I need to make this a priority to spend time with others regularly. Others who I can um, meet with in a small group situation and I can um, discuss what God's doing in my life and read the Bible together and pray together and it'll help me become more like you. So help us, daughters of church, to be a church that makes room for people. In Jesus' name, amen.